Okay, hi everybody. This is Perry Langell here, uh, bringing you the next installment of the NAFCO Entitled Podcast. Today's guest, we have two NAFCO members, uh, Vice President of NAFCO, Braden Ross, as well as member at large, the very small, Haley Santel. How are you both Thanks. today? Thanks. <laughs> Good. All right, how about you? Yeah, so um, the we have, um, so basically, uh, I'm just going to start it off because this podcast today is more about NAFCO, the Northern Film well, Northern Appalachian Film Collective, and you know all three of us are members, and this mm-hmm. one is mostly just uh, just about NAFCO, and also you know, it's discussion with some NAFCO members as well as you know what we're all about slash also getting to just know two people that are involved with film in the area or in general um, a little better, and so. Our first, you know, my first actual question to both of you is, how would you describe NAFCO and what does NAFCO mean to you? He wants to go first. Go ahead, Kaylee. Okay, so the Northern Appalachian Film Collective, I like to think of it as a club with a group of friends who all enjoy film and... To me, it means a place where I can be myself and hang out with friends. Okay. <laughs> well, Brian, what, what was your th- what were you gonna say? All right. Uh, for me, uh, NAFCO, uh, just a group of filmmakers. Um, of course, I came in late to the to the game a few years after it was founded, but. Um, first time I heard about it, it was just for me, a a group of filmmakers who wanted to, uh, who wanted to reinvigorate the, uh, love for film and the arts in the, uh, Appalachian area. Um, but to me, after spending, uh, some amount of time in this organization, uh, I used to live here and, and be really into the arts and I just haven't, I never saw that spark in a lot of people. And I moved away for a number of years. And when I came back, looking at NAFCO and, and the different filmmakers that have kind of come out of the woodwork in this area. It's, it's real meaningful because, uh, I know as, as a kid or, or young adult, when I was here before it, uh, I would have loved to have that kind of an organization to help, help bring back the love for film that used to be big back in, uh, the mid 21st century or the mid 20th century, you know? Yeah, I get you, Braden. Um, yeah. My initial question, actually, see, I only know so much about either of you, and um, and it's part of what the point of this podcast is. And, <laughs> and you touched upon something that I, I don't know if I knew this about you. You moved out of the area. Like, where'd you go to? What was that all about? Uh, well, I was here until I was about uh, 21, and I moved away for a few years. Uh, when I first went to college up in Erie to to Mercyhurst. I had moved out of there after leaving uh, college, and I went to Missouri to live for uh, a time. And there was nothing with the arts down there. I couldn't really find. Yeah, anything. Missouri isn't yeah. one of the hot spots. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> down, I lived a little bit outside of St. Louis, and and there just there wasn't a big arts 
thing down there. There, there wasn't any uh, vigor for it, uh, especially for film work. And then I have moved all around the area, but somehow life always pulls me back to uh, back to Dubois and Clearfield and the surrounding area. And uh, so I kind of came back here and I got more into the arts again. I used to do theater and some film work in Erie, but went away from it for the time that I was out of state and then came back. And that's when I heard about NAFCO. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so, um, huh. Yeah. I did not know you lived in the St. Louis area at all. Oh, um, I didn't know I, that either. Yeah. So, um, what, uh, what, like what, what drew you to St. Louis at all? This seems um, kind of like a random place to be. It was. Was it that Bush beer? Was it, was it Anheuser-Busch or? <laughs> No, no. Uh, actually, I, I toured that factory. It's really nice. Um, yeah, yeah. But, Just hearing how you turned 21 and then you went to like the city of, of Budweiser. Um, no, actually, I went there. Um, me and my ex-wife at the time were dating, and I went down there uh, to You're live. Dating your ex-wife? I. She's now my ex-wife. I was when we first. To, uh, to live with her mother and, and help her out because her mom was in a, in a rough place. And so we, we were helping her out for a while and we just stayed down there. Uh, after, after a while, we just kind of planted roots down there and stayed. And then eventually I just kind of, I guess I became homesick or, or was missing my family because most of them live around here. And so we just, we came back. Uh, 2000, 2011, we came back. Um, and so I've been here for about another 10 years and, and I only recently started getting back into film because I hadn't heard anything until NAFCO's name popped up on my radar. How Gosh. did NAFCO's name pop up on your radar? Uh, it was, uh, it was a strange thing. I'd gotten into, uh, a local, I don't know what you want to call him a filmmaker or something. Um, uh, by the name of Adam. And when I started working with him, I actually met one of the NAFCO members, uh, Nikki Cherry. And she kind of got me into all this. She she mentioned it, and then I came back to it two or three times before I actually uh, decided on a membership, which I think was that we were we were all out having drinks. I think, uh, Perry, I gave my money to you that night. <laughs> oh, the, yeah. Oh. Ooh. That was well. You was, give your money to me. You just started. I don't know if I was there or not. Um, yeah, it was at a what? What's that place? Uh, the Nelson, Nelson, the Nelson House. Yeah. Yeah. Nelson House. yeah, they're a good place here in Dubois. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember Dana yeah, Nelson House? That was with Charlie Brown. That I I would like to get actually on this. Oh, podcast. I don't think I was there. That when I Char- don't think like uh, when he went out with Charlie. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, Kaylee. Uh, yeah, Kaylee, for those that don't know, is actually our youngest board member. She, At what, 17. Six, 17, yeah. <laughs> Time flies. So so she's not allowed to at the after-party drinking fest there that we had. Brian did pay for my drinks that night, which I think he came to regret after he saw the bill, probably. Because anyway, though, um, yeah. So the thing is, though, is that, um, yeah, so, but, but Kaylee... You you participate in a lot of other ways. First of all, though, your first involvement with NAFCO is from the beginning, really from the inception of NAFCO, from my understanding, or very close to it, um, due to your connection with the Wrights Theater as an actor. Yes. Or an, yeah. 
and, and a thespian uh, uh, yes. that we have in our midst. And there's a couple thespians that we have. If, um, and the thing is, though, is that uh, so your perspective of film is a bit different than the filmmakers. Uh, and like, how, how would you describe like your own relationship to NAFCO as far as because I, I think that you're more into it for the friendship and respect of art than you are necessarily to make film. And I think that's an important thing to put out there for people is that we're not so inclusive that we only want filmmakers. Yeah. I've always had a love for movies. The movies was always just how I expressed like what I liked. And as I got older, that became more of a niche for me was the movies and that world of movies and actually how I started in theater was nine years ago I was bored one summer and decided to do the workshop program to my mom's suggestion and I fell in love with theater in that I met James and Ashley and Dave through the rights and that's how I got interested in NAFCO was through my was through those connections okay yeah yeah because I guess um yeah that's some of the original the original four I guess was Ashley and James Niger Dave Clark and Michael Gaffner Mm -hmm. and and so yeah you you were probably like the fifth like the original add-on i guess you could say would be you right i'm not sure not to sure. be honest because that's that's where you get into the lore of the founding of nafco where i wasn't here for because my own story about because unlike brayden who moved back home i'm the opposite where i'm in that like i moved away from home for, up in new hampshire and now I'm in, you know, in Dubois, PA. You I know, didn't know you were I'm, from New Hampshire. Yeah, okay, Kelly. <laughs> no, I didn't. Wait, really? I didn't know you were from New Hampshire. Wow, I actually get criticized for mentioning it too much. Usually. <laughs> I was about to say, I think you've mentioned it a lot before. Yeah, yeah. I'm, it's because it's I'm, very relevant. I have a horrible me. memory. <laughs> where, where do you think I am from, Kaylee? Oh, you always talk about New England, so, or, like, I thought you were from, like, the New England area. Uh, New Hampshire is part of New England. Okay, so, so I wasn't entirely that. wrong. So, no, you were not. You were completely <laughs> correct, because New England, I, you think New England's a state, right? A lot of people do. No. That's, oh, you, you think it's like it's a, a region. region. Oh, okay. I'm yeah, not that so, stupid, Perry. <laughs> no, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. There's a lot of people, though. I'm actually just trying to clarify, clarify that for people. Like, there's, there's Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont. Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut. There's five states, so New Hampshire being one of them. So, yes, I'm a New Englander at heart, but um, that's not really... I already kind of discussed that quite a bit in the Michael Gaffner podcast, but... Oh. Yeah, yeah, which is fine. It's just maybe I'm learning that that's probably going to come up because um, this is a regionally-based podcast um, as far as, you know, where we're grabbing people from. Yeah. And, and uh, so... Yeah, but anyway, though, are there any uh, current projects that either of you are on? I know with the, the 
coronavirus going on and everything that the uh, virus uh, has kind of toned down projects. Was there any current projects that are currently like on hiatus or or something you're working on at home, anything like that, that have to do with film or art as a whole? Um, there's, <laughs> I've had to put quite a bit on, on hold, uh, personally, um, with, with the stunt work I was doing, uh, last year I did a, uh, two or three projects where I helped out and I did some coordination for people and I did some stuff myself, but right now, uh, I had two projects coming up in May. One was a drama that needs a, a little bit of stunt stuff. And I had, uh, another one, which was an action scene, a fight scene that we were going to film in May as well. And both those have had to be put on hold. Um, and then I have uh, something else coming up this fall. Uh, again, a, a director I work with quite frequently, uh, uh, Ryan Cavallini. He's got a couple more projects going. Um, I usually get involved with him, but... Unfortunately, because of the coronavirus, it, it's been a hard time for a lot of filmmakers and myself. I haven't been able to get as much work in the stunt coordination because I've kind of stepped away from uh, doing stunt work myself. I still do it uh, pretty often, but not as much as I help people coordinate scenes and stuff like that. And I just can't do that. I can go through scripts and look and stuff, but I can't do anything on field because of this. So uh, I do have two or three projects on hold. I just finished a scene. And this is where the social distancing comes in. They, it was at a time where they wanted five or less people, but you could still go out in a group that size. So we went out with just the director and me and one of my crew and did a small scene uh, for, for a documentary. Um, but it just it goes to show how much of an impact it can have because when I go to set up different scenes and stuff, I need five, six, seven people there to help me figure out what I'm doing and go with what we need. So it's just, uh, it's really taken a toll because that was a large part of the extra cash that I can actually bring in. Yeah. Well, that, that's it. So you actually are able to actually make money off of film in this area though, is what it sounds like. Braden. Not a whole bunch. I use it for like side cash when I want some fun stuff or I need to. The biggest thing is when I bring one of my crew members, I still got to pay them. So mm. a lot of what I see is just, okay, I can pay for like most of my equipment is secondhand. My mat, my crash mats, uh, headgear, different things like that. Um, so it's all paid for and it's secondhand. It's cheap enough to get, but I have put a lot of my own money into it and I think a big common misconception sometimes, because I got this when I started making or, or recruiting, I guess, some people to work with me is that they're like, well, how much does this pay? Uh, I heard that film can pay a lot or something. And I don't know where people get that. But uh, to be Hollywood. honest, I, I think you guys might know this, too. Like, it's it's hard to make a lot of money in film when when your name isn't out there. You really got to push yourself and brand yeah. yourself. And put yourself out there to make any more money than just uh, you know pennies on a dollar kind of thing. So when when I'm going out and looking for work, it's just a few bucks here and there. I've had jobs any that pay anywhere from like I got twenty dollars a day one time to there was a project I worked on last year. I did five days there to help them with a little scene. I got uh, one hundred and forty dollars a day. So it really depends, and then I'm sure I can grab more if I would go to cities like uh, I got paid about um, 
four or five hundred dollars for a very small thing in in uh, Pittsburgh uh, about a year and a couple months ago. Uh, but really, that's that's the most I'm probably going to see unless I can really get myself out there and, and start branding myself. And because I just started recently doing this, it's hard to do when all of a sudden you get stopped by a pandemic. Yeah. yeah, it. yeah. Well, it's hitting Hollywood even as far as they're not even able to make any productions themselves. Um, I know yeah, like, like Netflix. Whole, yeah. 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 TV shows that yeah. cancel production. Yeah, mm-hmm. like Netflix has what is it like? I think they said a billion dollars or two hundred million. I don't know, a very large number. I'm speaking on my butt right now about what number that is, but basically a very large number on well, as far as what they're uh, um, they're actually paying out as sort of a our bad kind of funding thing. Not even our bad. Sorry, um, just almost like a workman's comp of that they're out of work. An unemployment, rather, I guess, is the better way to put it. Um, so, but see, I know less about that and more about like the local scene here. But so the thing is, is I, I, uh, so you, Brayden, though, what I was getting at there is, see, because I introduced Kaylee with you know the whole thespian thing and all that. So to you, you're less of a filmmaker and more of a uh, like a crew slash stunt choreographer. And yeah. Sometimes even just physical training help with with actors, correct? That are like gonna do action scenes, for instance. And, yeah. and of course these productions are so low budget we don't have like stunt doubles, for instance. Exactly. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the big Hollywood movies that everybody sees that I mean they have they have doubles. They have people that do this for a living and they can make a lot of money doing this for a living because nobody else is gonna do what they wanna do and of course whatever director you have or whatever production company you have, they're going to say, Hey, listen, save your star. Don't make them do this stuff. And you get some, but you know, your lookalikes to do those kinds of scenes for them around here with uh, small uh, zero to small budget films. Uh, it really, it, it takes a toll on what people can do. And, but it also allows a large versatility within the uh, people that you have and the stars that you have, because maybe the main actor is going to have to do something. And there's been a lot of times where I just get called on for a day from somebody who, who knows my name and says, listen, I need them to be able to do this safely. Can you help them? Because I can't just pay for another person to come in. I can have you instead of you and one of your crew, uh, come in and just show this person what to do. And if you feel like it's safe enough, then we'll go ahead and do it. And so that kind of hits me on both sides. I do get, I do get my name out there and I get a little bit of cash for the day and that's fine. But I also got to think of the people that are relying on me to find them small little jobs here and there just to, to get that extra cash and get their name on films and stuff too. And they're working, I'm training them and I'm making them, uh, I'm making them absorb this knowledge of how to look good on film and they don't get that chance because maybe a director or somebody who's producing a film, uh, a local film, doesn't have the money to just be like, okay, you and two of your crew members. No, it's just me. Go down, show two of their cast what to do, and that's it. Gotcha, yeah. Um, and that's, that's also kind of interesting, too, and it shows how um, another case, too, where it's not just the filmmakers here at NAFCO. There's, you know, there, there's crew slash stunt 
and we got actors, actresses, um, and, and plus the filmmakers. Plus, we even have writers, and we also just have general, what I almost consider just general film buffs mm-hmm. as part of the group. And, and there's something there for everybody within the group. Um, yeah. Now, as far as, uh, and you just made me think, actually. Does anybody know? I'm literally just going to ask you to, because part of our film buff thing, you know, we always say we love film. Uh, we have our film of the week going on. The, either of you know what the film of the week is? Because I I realize I forgot to look this up. I didn't. Look, I did, don't know. Parasite was last week, right? So yeah, Parasite I was think, last week, yes. Or I thought that was two weeks ago, that. and last week it was uh, um, 1917. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. 19. So okay. then what's that it? So then nobody knows what it is this week. Uh, okay, no, well, moving on. I'll look into that after <laughs> the show is over. But and but anyway, point is, because uh, Thursday night is my night usually to uh, to watch those. Usually, that's like my one night a week now. I limit myself to, like, tipping a few back, you know, beers and such. And, uh, and then, like, I'll watch the film of the week here for now. Yeah. It's kind of our film buff experience that we have going. That was actually started because of of COVID-19 uh, and the fact that we can't get together for our regular meetings and everything. And it was an idea by one of our members, um, Paul Gerritsen, actually thought of the idea of us actually just watching a film a week. And there's been some variations in it, like going from cable to just generally the movie we all want to watch. But um, basically, it's interesting that this thing has been going on so long that that we have the like these different innovations and like our group as a whole has had some changes and like new activities come up from it. But mm-hmm. um, my point being there is that there is something for everybody, including just people that enjoy film for the sake of enjoying film. Um, but uh, one second here. So the um, so Kaylee though, yeah, you're um, so Bray, you kind of covered your current projects to some extent. I mean, do you have any insights for? Any kind of plot lines, or is it all just kind of you just want to say generically you are trying to work on action scenes within films? Like, I know Ryan Cavallini does, uh, and you're saying you're looking to work on a project with him. That is a uh, he's a documentarian. We had him uh, February, they did the Exorcist prayer, yeah, yeah, and that was February. We had our Valentine's Day horror documentary, exorcism documentary thing that movie showing. scared the crap out of me yeah it's a great valentine's day thing um <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of the sarcasm was our point uh, as far as the projects i have going on actually it's um i can go into detail it's it's not a problem these these films are something that have been asked on like the pittsburgh film group on facebook and stuff for for actors and such uh that we have needed and of course, with that being put on hold, we just—it's at a slump right now. But do you one, know if you still need um, people? That's something that we have to have a meeting for afterwards to see exactly who we need and who we've gotten. Uh, there were some YouTube uh, live auditions that were done. Uh, or I want to say live auditions, like taped auditions that people put in. Uh, the one that particular project is a project uh, that it's a drama about kind of a i don't want to say coming of age for for a young teenager but it's it's uh, a battle of drugs and addiction and oh. 
way to come out of the world. And so the scene that I'm helping them with is a fight between uh, a, a young man and his uh, father and him running away from home it involves like a fall off a roof and different things like that stuff that I can, I can really make cool. but it's uh, it's really interesting because uh, it has brought me into a whole new light this last year with different projects I've gotten like that, like a drama. I don't, you know, you, you have things like if somebody gets into a fight, they throw something across a room or something, you know, you, you have your basic drama stuff, but I, I never really think when you think, uh, stunt work you think like action films uh, or horror films stuff like that you don't really think okay this drama is going to have a couple action scenes that's going to need help or documentaries I've had some actual stunt work with the documentaries and it's just a strange thing to come about and then the other one project was uh, like I said it was a small fight scene that we wanted to do but it was between uh, it was a, a group of people who need to get or who want to get revenge on somebody it's like a gang of four or five people and they're uh, outside somebody's house trying they want to get uh, revenge on them or teach them a lesson uh, kind of thing and then one person stands up and says I'm sorry I can't do this this isn't right and then a fight breaks out between the group themselves and that's where we get into a like a five-man fight kind of thing get you. yeah I mean I can think of some shows that could use some more work on that I think it's they progressed, they realized they needed that, so they hired somebody probably like you. That's me guessing. I'm thinking of actually a show, I don't know if either of you have seen it, it's on Hulu these days called Letterkenny. It's a great Canadian <laughs> comedy. Have either of you seen that? I love No. That's okay, Kaylee. <laughs> Kaylee, but yeah, you love that show. Well, if you watch the first, like, two seasons, man, they have a lot of fight scenes, like kind of bar fight kind of stuff, because it's a comedy it's not an action flick or anything, but it's it's a comedy, and there's these scenes where uh, they have have like bar fights and or just general crew fights, and they're they're very like it got like five on five kind of stuff going on, and mm-hmm. it makes no sense because the choreography of it is quite frankly dog shit. But and the thing is is. But the, it, you, you're able to just, like, whisk over it as a viewer. It, like you said, like, we both love that show. And it, you're able to whisk over it because you're there for the laughs, not for the fight scenes. But yeah. you can tell how, over time, they did actually develop their skills towards it. And they probably brought somebody like you on. And um, that, and they, you know, they enabled them to, in the future, you know, you know, continue it on and be able to have fight scenes later on in the series of that made sense and, and you know look good and as well as they kept the humor going um, that's, uh, that that's something i found kind of hilarious with with a lot of uh tv shows films they already know they need somebody to come in and help them because they got to pack a big story into a certain amount of time yeah, and you TV- got one shot you're not doing it over over the course of years uh yeah. and you, you're kind of you already know what you're trying to do and you got really one shot to make that film um because most filmmakers know you kind of make a film and then you move on from it in life so the thing is if a film has like it's an action film and it's really bad it'll just go into the category of bad action films and then if they move on to the next project they'll make a note of we need to change that and then they'll they'll just bring in the right people but that'll be like years down the road if need be they're going to bring in new people um and so you're not going to see, like, the development over the course of, like, one title or one franchise. 
kind of like get yeah. better usually it's sort of like a, it's a new franchise every time and there may be the same people that had an add-on or something but you don't necessarily know that going into the average viewer usually um unless you are a big follower of like our tour films um you're not going to really notice that too much but um yeah. so yeah um and i kind of cut you off there brain but it's because you you said something I really wanted to latch onto, but your so your point you were getting at is that the uh, uh, the films um, the t- there's a number of TV shows. Did, did you want to get into like these other TV shows that you've seen this develop uh, yeah, that way? Just uh, just briefly, I've noticed um, like it kind of ties into both. Uh, you you see it in big TV shows, like you have Letter Kenny, or you have uh, shows like Shameless, or um, what's another big one I noticed? Uh, Shameless. In the yeah. beginning, you have Riverdale, uh, you know, dramas and comedies, and, and things you don't think about of having a big, uh, a big category of action in them, and they actually do, and in the beginning, you can kind of see how rough it is, and maybe a lot of viewers don't because, like you said, they're going to kind of gloss over it because they're more interested in the other parts. That's just put in there for for some uh, break in the normalcy of the normal flow of the show. And you can kind of see where the roughage is if you're looking for it. And I just I never used to look for it. Now now that I'm in to this uh, genre of the business, um, it's it, kind of hard to not look. Exactly. Every time I look at it, it's that's what I'm looking for, and I I notice this stuff. And it's it's the same with local filmmakers. Like the filmmakers I've I've worked with around here. I went to uh, Gross Fest last year, which is a horror uh, genre convention where a bunch Mm -hmm. of filmmakers in the horror genre uh, gather and and show off their stuff and whatever. And there was a couple people that were like, "Well, we never thought of bringing somebody like you on, but." We've had people hurt before. I've had to put out money for, for we didn't have insurance, so there's lawsuits and stuff like this. And I'm like, well, you you just don't realize. And I think that's how it is with some of these shows, like the ones I mentioned. You will see that, like, if it's a show that runs for seasons, like you have Riverdale and you have Shameless, and they and they run for that many seasons. Even the smallest of action scenes, the smallest of stunts, you'll see them progressively get better because over time they're realizing that if this is going to be a staple in the show, we need to have somebody that can work on that. And it's kind of the same with these local filmmakers. Yeah. They don't want to uh, put out the money for somebody like me. That'll come in and help teach them how to safely do things or have even one of my crew go in and substitute. But then they look at the figures and they're like, well, it's a lot less than paying insurance money or a lawsuit out, you know? And so not only that, but it flows better on screen. Uh, if you mm-hmm. want to take a film franchise, look at John Wick. And I know oh, I love people, John Wick. Mm. I love that series. Like it because they think it's too much action or whatever. But the beauty of John Wick that I've seen—that's the is, point of John Wick, though—is the action. Yeah, but it fl- the it's the flow. With when you have any show or movie or film, low budget, high budget, Hollywood, independent, whatever you have. The flow of stunt work is what really like you want to you want to know that you're you're watching your show and you don't want to know that they're acting. You just kind of want to be into that show. So even if it's a mm-hmm. comedy, it's a drama or if it's an action itself, 
you just don't want to have to feel like you're actually looking for stuff. You just want to fill it and be involved in that film and you want to feel like you're there. And that's with the John Wick series. They had somebody very good on their stunt team uh, as far as the companies that they worked with and the choreographers they worked with. And you can see that because it's believable and it's mm-hmm. uh, and that's what I try to teach everybody when I find somebody that has no experience in it. I'm like, the biggest thing you have to do is it can be the fakest punch you ever swung. But as long as the camera's in the right place and you can react well and you can make it look believable, that's all you need. I get you. Yeah. Um, now, you said Gross Fest. Where, where, where's Gross Fest? What's the deal with that? Is that an annual festival? Uh, it is. I, I got to look up the... Uh, I got to look up the town it was in. Uh, where was it? I think it was It was down east of Pittsburgh. Am I thinking Washington, PA? It was Washington, PA is around there. That's a little southeast of Pittsburgh, yeah. Yeah, I, th- that, I believe that's where we went. It was, a, it was a hotel that it was being held at. There was a big convention. You walk in, there's like there's vendors that are selling different things. There's filmmakers that are uh, promoting what they've done and what upcoming projects they have. That's actually how I got involved in being an extra in uh, uh, a film called Still Man that's happening, uh, that was filmed down in Pittsburgh. I, I went and did a club scene for them. Uh, that's and was cool. In it, but it was fun. And uh, But you find different things like that there. And then there's just like vendors. There was one vendor that had all these different props from movies that are legitimate, like the original facts from those places and different things like that so it was actually a pretty fun place to go but is it it's an annual convention uh you can find it on facebook uh, they have a page on there and uh they do they do a pretty wicked convention every year it's pretty awesome yeah um and and the other thing that i was going to touch upon that's cool to know that that exists i i, I had no clue you should tell NAFCO people about that. You probably did, too, at the time, didn't you? Uh, I did. I actually mentioned yeah. that going down. I'm like, it's on this date. But the problem is I only found out about it like two weeks before. So it was hard for a lot of people to get in there. But uh, Gross Pets is happening this year if the restrictions uh, come up. But I'm uh, they're waiting, kind of playing it by ear like most companies are. And if they can't hold it, they can't hold it. But uh it is, uh, I don't know if it's in Washington every year, um, but I know that it is down around that area every year, so they, I don't know if they hop around or anything. I've been cr- trying to keep a, a, an eye on it and see what's going to happen with it, but it's it's a pretty amazing thing, especially if you're, if you're a film lover and you love the horror genre. Oh my goodness, it is. Horror ain't my thing. I, yeah, I get a, scared easily. <laughs> <laughs> you said it's not your thing, Kaylee. Yeah, horror ate my genre. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, well, there's two, two definitely two kinds of people on that. And I guess there's three because there's the in betweens. I'm more of an in between where I like horror, but I don't really seek out horror like some horror buffs. Now, because there's there's actually just the horror buffs, and there's people that, that are like Kaylee that are afraid of horror, and then there's the me's who just will watch a good horror film. When it comes up, but I don't really seek it out, but I'm not really afraid of it, but I'm not really like it's not really the genre that I'm always just seeking out every kind of little horror flick that I can find. Um, yeah. Now, one thing thing is, though, is that 
Um, I did want to address, though, you said how there was the lawsuits, and that's a common thing that young filmmakers will do is they'll just kind of run and gun, and they won't get any waivers from actors that they get, and then they'll do something stupid, uh, like get, get an actor hurt by doing doing a stunt that they really were underprepared for, like, overall. Yeah. And then, then, then they have a lawsuit coming after them, and then they're tied up with lawsuit debt for who knows how many years, because medical bills can be tens of thousands of dollars, if not more. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah, and that, that's the thing. It's it's really um, it's it's a lesson that I because I, being that I went to college for film, I I was taught you know here are the waivers. In fact, I actually have like blank copies. I have like a whole binder full of blank copies of waivers that I can re-manipulate into, you know, making my own ones that were, like, written by lawyers for my college, but I, I kept them. They never actually told me to keep theirs, but as an alumni, I have theirs, and I, I'll just rework the wording to work for my film, but keep the basics, you know. Um, yeah. And and so that's how I know to uh, to always get your waivers. You want to get your your waivers from the actors and first of all you need to be safe though that's the other thing that they taught me i mean sandbags are a beautiful thing on a set and sandbags are just kind of bags of sand literally that you you can like slap on top of poles and stuff like just various things to uh to make it safe also the gaffer tape is is a big thing into safety usually that's a bright color so people can see it and and there's also um the uh drawing a blank well anyway point is there's all kinds of safety procedures and that's kind of a number one that's really your first thing on a set is to make sure as soon as something is set up it's made safe way before you even move on to the next item Um, because last thing you want is one thing knocking over into then a light comes down and then next thing you know you have an actress whose hair burned from like the light that fell on them and the glass shattered all over their head and then their hair is burning and now now they have third degree burns all over their face, which was their whole career was based on their face, and you know, and now you're that and was oddly got, specific. Um, <laughs> well, you know, this pretty much it didn't happen exactly like it's actually I'm just imagining a scenario, but the Michael Jackson thing is similar, except that happened on a professional set for a Pepsi, for a Pepsi commercial shoot. I don't yeah, know if you guys what, know what Michael Jackson thing. And they, I believe it was in a. In the 80s, yes. He caught on fire. I, I can't remember all the specifics, but he caught on fire from a uh, uh, from an onset accident. I believe it was a pyrotechnic of some form. Yeah, it caught there his hair on sparks and fire coming up from the ground. That was supposed to be pretty safe, and it uh, it kind of went askew. Yeah, and that that's what uh, is <laughs> from Wender. What that that's actually why he became white, so to speak. I mean, not to be racial here, but. Um, that's how he kind of like, you know, how people say how like Michael Jackson turned white, like all of a sudden. And yeah, it, it's and then the injury from that. A lot of people believe that that kind of is what led to his his early death, too, because that injury led to a bunch of painkillers. Yeah, and... I remember I did a project and it was for. It had to do with that. I was researching about like pain meds. Yeah. And, like different like alternatives and that was actually one of the things that quoted was how Michael Jackson overdosed on pain meds because yeah. the doctor messed up well, or something yeah. that's the what way, I researched the way he originally got addicted to painkillers 
Well, no, it's true. <laughs> um, you know, but but you have to go all the way back to the eighties when when this burn accident happened, and that's where it all started as far as the the extreme facial plastic surgeries to deal with the issues the burns, that he had, yeah. and the burns, and then also that's where he got into the painkillers, and and it just kind of things just spiraled out of control from there, and yeah. so. During pretty much all of our lifetimes, we've known the post-accident Michael Jackson, um, and we only see the earlier version before. Now that, but that's back to to on-shoot safety. It doesn't matter if it's a film, a commercial, or really even even a theater set for you, Kaylee, who does a lot of yeah. theater. Yeah, safety. I've should read be a couple of stories of theater sets gone wrong. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, so so that it's a big mistake from young filmmakers to just kind of think that everybody else's on set is also invincible, and that you know everybody's aware of everything around them because an actor isn't supposed to be focusing. You can't act. You you also won't have the best film because an actor won't be able to act properly, or, you know, to to practice their art if they're worried about safety while they're doing it. Yeah, because even if they fake it, it's always going to be like. Always in the back of their head, and that's just something you can't hide. It's like inside worry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So it's it's definitely a, a, there's a big thought process that goes into that. Because if you have, like you said, they're focusing on, oh, I got to get my lines right. I'm focused on getting my, in the character, what I need to do, where I need to be, that kind of thing. But they're not focused on even the little stuff. Uh, it's not even just the safety of the set. It's things like directors and producers sometimes won't think about one big thing, and that's insurance or those waivers that you were talking about. Every time I've been on a set doing one of the documentaries for Ryan, he's always prepared, always has a waiver. It's the first thing he gives me. And if I have part of my crew there, he gives them to them too. Um, but the biggest thing is, like, I did a. Uh, I was on a project last year that got scrapped, and uh, it was about a year, year and a half ago now. And I was going to Ohio to this castle, and there was uh, going to be a fire scene and a couple of different things. And so, even though the director didn't think of it, or the people that wanted to uh, the the crew, everybody that was involved. A lot of people didn't think about, but as I'm looking at, I'm looking at it from a whole different perspective. So having yeah, somebody you're stunts, it's like what you're exactly. trained in. Yeah, so and so I'm looking at the stuff like, okay, I need a perimeter here. I need people to be this far away. Are there articles of clothing going to be safe in this type of an environment? Do they have things they can move in, or are they going to trip over something? Is there things on the ground that can hurt them? Is there things in the air? And it's all this stuff that runs through, like, a person like me, it runs through my mind all the time, but it's not necessarily going to run through somebody else. So, yeah, Perry, if you, you're right. If you have somebody who's inexperienced or they're new to the uh, industry, yeah, unfortunately, it's not their fault. They, they don't know about it, but it also might end up, unfortunately, teaching them a lesson the hard way on what, what they need and what they should be doing because then somebody does get hurt. Yeah. Have you ever declined a job, like, because you didn't get a waiver or it was unsafe? Yeah, actually, I've declined two jobs. Uh, None were because of a waiver or anything, but 
it was uh, both jobs are where I was called on to uh, help them make sure that things were safe on set. So, like, uh, it's a strange thing because you always see this thing in Hollywood where the director yells cut or uh, somebody might see something and they they uh, say, okay, can we stop here? Somebody yells cut. Well, during a scene like that, I'm looking at everything. If I see something that all of a sudden becomes unsafe or isn't safe, then I will, I have almost every time I've been given the authority, the director or the assistant director will look at me and say, listen, uh, if you say cut, they've been told to listen to you as well. Because if you're, you're looking at things that I'm not looking at, because the director's almost always going to be just involved in that scene and engrossed in yeah, what Yeah, they're you, looking at the it, screens, listening to the audio. Physical surroundings, and if I see something, I'm going to yell at. So the, the jobs that I declined were because I ran into, uh, it was like sheep butting heads, because I... I could not get them to understand that, listen, this isn't going to be safe and I'm not going to be here if you're not going to take the advice you brought me on to give you. And so you're so, paying yeah, me for the advice. You exactly. should listen to that advice. And I don't want to be around when somebody gets hurt. Yeah, I've, I'm first aid trained. I uh, have all my CPR training and stuff like that. I am not, though, going to But that to doesn't mean you want to use it. Exactly. If, if <laughs> I'm, I'm prepared to use it if I have to, and I'm prepared to take the risks, whatever I need to do, as long as all the precautions are being taken that we can see, all the things that need to be done. And so I deny the jobs because I told them what needed to be done. They're like, well, we were more worried about this. We're not going to worry about that right now because that's not our priority. And I'm like, well, it kind of needs to be. And that's yeah. where projects where people get hurt or something and I just I don't want to be around for somebody who's not going to take the advice where you called me on to do it because I'm not going to watch something happen that I know could be prevented uh, I've been around when accidents have happened I have actually had to use um, not my CPR training but just first aid for small cuts and some pretty big uh, like one person got carted off to the hospital for, for leg fracture and stuff like that but it was, we'd taken all Dang. of us, it was just a freak accident, but I don't want to be around. Right. How, how did this freak this accident happen? Avoid. Well, don't, don't use names necessarily, Braden, um, but oh, how, just what, how, it how, fake how, names. yeah, well, okay. How did the accident happen? Like, what was the, the whoopsie? Okay. So we had, uh, what had happened was there was a scene where we had to have, uh, one person running away from somebody on, uh, we used a dirt bike. It was supposed to be a motorbike, but we had improvised kind of thing. So somebody's running, somebody, they were running uh, this dirt bike around and around in circles. Somebody's in the middle, classic, like I've got you cornered scene kind of thing. And we'd taken the precautions. We knew how far away they had to be. We made sure that there was enough distance between them that everything should have been okay. But what had happened, of course, these things happen, especially when you're using motorized anythings. Uh, the bike kicked out from under the individual and kind of crushed his leg underneath. And it was just a small, small fracture because they weren't we weren't really doing it at a dangerous speed or anything. We weren't. But we were taking all the precautions. We had everything on set and we asked him if he was comfortable doing it. All the waivers were signed. We had insurance. Everything was good. 
And then he just kind of fell underneath his bike and that's what happened. And that, you know, it, things like that happen, accidents like that happen. But the one project that I walked away from, uh, they did not want to adhere to fire safety. It was the one project that has been scrapped and the fire, um, was supposed to be just kind of thrown out, uh, into like a, a ring or a circle and we need to have fire trucks there. We need to have other things. But I also want to make sure that the clothing was safe, that they were doing everything in their power to make sure that these actors weren't going to get uh, harmed. And one person just didn't have enough clothing on. And that it is a say it sounds stupid, but it is a safety violation. You can put green clothing underneath. You can screen that out. You can edit that out. It's a, actually not. <sighs> It's not as hard to do as getting somebody to a hospital and having to deal with all that. So if you can find ways to use uh, editing software or Photoshop or anything really in a, a small budget film, because uh, I've used green screen before. I know how it works. I know the ins and outs as far as I need to. I, I'm no expert on it, but I know for a fact that you can wear green clothing and it can be edited out. Uh, same with blue, uh, like blue screens and blue, yeah, uh, blue. Mm-hmm. and stuff. That It can be edited out and it's, it's a fine way. And yeah, it's not going to always be perfect, but it's a lot better than having somebody get hurt. And I didn't want exposed skin to be... Uh, to have it exposed to the chemicals that we were lighting and and the fire that would have been there. So it's, it's stuff like that. I want all the precautions in place before you try to do a scene where I know something can inevitably go wrong. Gotcha. Yeah. So, you know, well, we've, (laughs) that's all pretty interesting. Um, I I do want to ask Kaylee uh, a little bit here though. Um, just, um, so, we've been talking actually really all this was spawned off of the one question, you know, what, what are your current projects? Um, but what, Kaylee, do you have anything in the, in the, in the irons at all? I yourself? am Iron, irons in the fire in the irons. That's such a, a parryism <laughs> they're known as like I said, Oh I, man, uh... I can just see the paintings on the wall now. It, it went, uh, anyway. Um, yeah. I am basically waiting for this to all die down so I can film the episode I'm going to be in for Mike's Mike Gaffner's How It's Your Tale series that I'm in. Okay, yeah. Katie. The last podcast I did here was with, with Michael Gaffner, so... Um, if our audience wants to go back and re- watch that one, they can, or listen to it rather. But it's, um, but point being is, we didn't talk that much about you. What's your role in Michael Gaffner's series? I played the character of Katie. Okay. It's kind of changed, uh, for like every single time I've like later it's changed like the when i first got the character it was katie sampson then okay. when i did the how to tales the appalachian hills a song without words when i did that short it was katie simpson and i got 
info about this new series that Mike's wanting to do. It's Katie Stewart. Okay, that's an interesting detail because because I we talked actually in the last podcast quite a bit about how he's revamping the series and how it's basically yeah. its own iteration at this point. But yeah. um, so he's part of that revamp is that he's changed the last name of your character. So what does that mean for your character? What what is mm. what what is your character in that universe? And Katie, well, Katie Simpson was this. It was going to be this. I imagine her as this like innocent girl who's just trying to keep everybody's spirits up through like filming of a documentary she wanted to make and she's just that's her role is trying to keep everybody's spirits up in this apocalypse world okay but katie stewart by what's been explained to me is more warlike and she's a lot harder skinned. Okay. So warlike. So a lot more like you yourself then. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did see the piece you're talking about though, because that was at uh, another uh, NAFCO event actually that we had uh, mm-hmm. Michael Gaffner there for it, and it and they you know he showed your thing um which I, we're not doing those now because of the COVID 19 but it was at the dubois diner we were having yeah uh, our um screenings of the month there so that was the january one because uh, we yeah. already talked about the ryan cavallini one was in february that Br- mm-hmm. brain the filmmaker that brain works with and i saw your role in that film that pretty much you were oh, excuse me man i should not have had burger king and McDonald's combo <laughs> before getting on here. Side note, not to be an ad for these places, but I really enjoyed that McDonald's is doing free meals for frontline workers because of my day job. I yeah. actually qualified for that. But, yeah. um, my mom does too, though. She doesn't like... She doesn't like going there because she doesn't want to like <laughs> take advantage of it, even though like she doesn't. Yeah, I only have like the she. One. She's a PTA, <coughs> physical oh. therapist assistant. You okay, Braden? Yeah, oh, that was me. That, that was Perry. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I just saw dying you okay? over here. He's over well, there dying. He may need some somebody. <laughs> Boy, I'm glad I'm online with people. <laughs> I can't yeah. do first aid through the phone, Perry. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, luckily, I would like one day to get a studio where I have, like, actual mute buttons through a foot pedal or something here. But, <laughs> unfortunately, everybody just has to deal with that moment. <clears throat> I think I talked too much and didn't drink any water. Um, but, anyway, though, I get you. Don't take advantage of it. I mean, I, I hear you. Oh. I only went the one time, It was uh, which was right yeah. before I got on here. Like, my but, mom's uh, sort of idea is, like... And I see you nurse who's like has been working all day and does like dealing at the front lines deserves the freedom more than she does. And that's just how she thinks. It's still nice because no matter where you are in that 
industry, if you're a frontline worker, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to take advantage of stuff like that. But sometimes you just have to. Because you don't want to feel guilty. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I working with special people with special needs. I'm actually quite frontliney, and I, I personally don't feel any uh, like I took take advantage by getting a one-time free meal myself. But um, I can see people that might be more of a stretch. Yeah. That, that they were more of a stretch on that. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, like. I have an ID that has all kinds of explanations that they actually gave to us because of the COVID-19. And not to get free meals, but it was actually more of a concern if checkpoints came down. Um, they were going yeah, or to... if you got pulled over, okay, I'm allowed to be out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But they haven't gotten to that point yet, or and they probably won't. But had they have, this ID was to prove that I was an essential worker. And, and it even came with a, a written letter next to it from our heads of heads of our company, yeah, uh, describing you know what we do and that we actually do need access to the community because mm-hmm. um, well, we sometimes have to fetch medicines that are life sometimes have to fetch medicines that are life savings. What was that, Braden? You work in Reynoldsville, but you live in Reynoldsville too, right? No, I live in Dubois. Oh, you live in Dubois. Well, they did have a couple. It wasn't like checkpoints, but police in the beginning of all this, when that stuff started happening, they were they did stop a couple people. Uh, I know because uh, my brother had gotten stopped. He works at Walmart and, and he has to carry his paperwork and he did get stopped because he wor- walks to work uh, sometimes. Um, oh. And they did say, hey, listen, why are you out? You have papers. And he actually had to show his papers. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Like, they're not like getting out their uh getting out their sticks and beating people with it but like they, they want to make sure that people are being safe and stuff like that so it has happened yeah. a couple times, but nothing like a serious checkpoint or anything yeah. something that's funny and i as you guys know i work at a radio station right, i answer yeah. the phone sunday morning for the polka party for those listening yeah, which is I'm a still, unique thing to this area that one of the biggest shows is a weekend on. show that's a polka party show. Yeah, it just shows kind of the Pennsylvanian German culture that we have. Polish, here, but, yeah. Oh, oh, it's Polish. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm, Believe like I said, me, I'm, I know. I'm, I've gotten I'm not quite from the around education. Here. I've yeah. been answering phone the phone there for like actually it's almost four years now. I've answered that's, the phone for them. I've had a question about that. How's yeah. that like you working with a radio station? Like, ha- has this all affected like that, that um, media yet? No, because I still have to go in and answer the phone. But what they're making, or at least what my boss is making me do, is like wipe down the desk I sit at. To answer the phone, he's making me wipe it down with the Clorox wipe. Like, but when I go in, and then before I leave, I wipe down everything. Well, that makes sense. But, and I, I get I'm that. I'm not really in contact. Yeah, because anybody it, in news stations, which radio and news is both considered essential. Now, that really wasn't necessarily put in to protect things like polka hours; more to protect. 
the resource of getting news and emergency response. Yeah. Um, like, um, yeah. you know, like the emergency, uh, what the heck Broadcast system. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it takes, you know, <laughs> see, I'm a former radio worker. I don't currently work in radio, so sometimes I lose. But I play Fallout 76, so I should know these things. Anyway, <laughs> um, but uh, so the thing is, though, is that um, that's more what that was about. But ipso facto through that, you end up keeping your job, too, because you're working in broadcast radio. And, um, yeah. and I, I as a former radio worker, I respect that. And but it is smart, though, to just wipe it down. Yeah. Also, though, you, but you're not. Um, and it's a good job to keep because you're not. Really, you're in contact with the public, but through the phone. So you, yeah. you, are, you know, you you're already. You gotta really have distance. anybody coming into the station. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and there's that because so that's kind of a current project though. I mean, it's really it's not like your brainchild or anything, but it's a current project that you're involved in. I mean, you even got Michael Gaffner. It's my oh yeah, the house tales yeah. Stuff. <laughs> Is there other things like do you have any? Uh, like community theater or anything like that? that no, you're, I'm, you're not, I'm not doing yeah. any theater right now. Yeah, because I know um, that they've shut down some of their stuff. Some of the community theaters in the area yeah. are are com uh, are completely shut down. Now, um, the uh, um, yeah, but what your past works though, Kaylee? You've been involved with the theater since what, like? Since you were eight From, years old, you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So you've done how many plays, you'd say? 10, 12, 20 plays with, uh, for community theater? I would say around 12, okay. 13 maybe. So enough that it's hard to just sit there and list them. Um, but yeah. So, through that, um, what do you have any like big experiences that you've gotten through working in the arts um, in your life? Like, I'm just curious if, if do you have any like. I, when I was still going to the high school, I was part of the drama club, and it was my freshman year. I went to some, I was a part of something called ITS, which is the International Thespian Society. Okay. And every year they have a conference for the Pennsylvania, or they all have convention or conferences. But um, I went to the Pennsylvania one. And I, the show we did was called 101 Breakup. Huh. And it was cool to do because I got to perform in front of a thousand like kids my age who okay. had the same passion for theater I do. And I had my mom in the wing. And she's never seen me when I'm backstage. She's always in the audience. So that was a cool experience to, like, have her there and 
experience, like the rush of being on stage and getting that audience reaction from almost a thousand kids my age. It was insane. Yeah, no, that sounds pretty cool. And that's one thing, too, that's different about film versus theater, though. It, and mm-hmm. I've always thought about that, is that theater, uh, film and radio, you have, you, you're familiar with radio in film, mm-hmm. in film. And, and they're both similar in that sense that you don't have the people right there necessarily as you're making yeah. it. It's not done for an audience right there. Whereas theater, you get that immediate gratification uh, yeah. uh, of the reaction right there. And then where with film, you have kind of a delayed reaction because it's got to go, you produce it, there's several takes, and then somebody's got to edit it, edit it down in post. And then they mm-hmm. have to, you know, distribute whatever method they distribute it in. And then you have, um, with radio, if it's live, so it's more immediate, but you don't but have you the you don't people, get the reaction. You get no reaction. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you do later on, especially nowadays, you get more of a reaction through social media. Um, before, yeah. it was more ratings and syndication that kind of judged uh what reaction you were getting mm-hmm. it was just kind of like is it positive okay well you know they were just kind of people were taking it in but like radio ends and if, if you had you know 20,000 people listening when you come out you, when you leave the studio it's just an empty parking lot with your car or maybe two other cars there yeah and then you hop in and drive home whereas uh in in films kind of that way too Mm-hmm. Uh, until in uh, um, film, though, I think that's kind of why we do these things like premieres, for instance, where you get to yeah, so you get that, that reaction. Yeah, yeah, that in you know, film has a big emphasis on award ceremonies, mm-hmm. and I think that kind of has something to do with that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I know all three of these mediums have their major award ceremonies, but yeah, theater, think, it's the Tonys. Mm-hmm. Film, it's Oscars and Emmys. Yeah, that's TV. pretty sure there's. You're, you're in the right direction. TV's well, Emmys and Oscars is film. I kind of count film as both like movies and TV. Yeah, they just they have their own. They're formatted different, but it's still the same. Yeah. Steps. Yeah, so I speak. can. I can see what you're getting at there. Now, <laughs> and this is just one of those questionnaire things because i i'm gonna tell you i know the answer to this one because i was technically a part of it in a distant kind of way uh what's the one for radio kaylee yeah what is the one for radio i don't know about the one for (laughs) radio it's okay it's i've never been to one (laughs) the marconi awards it's not very few people know about it though that's kind of my point here i'm making um the marconi awards i was actually um Part of, not personally nominated, but I was part of the, I was about your age actually, Kaylee, when I was part of a station that was nominated for small market station of the year at the Marconi Awards, which is typically held in Washington, D.C. My my boss ended up going to it and they didn't win, but they were nominated for small market station of the year. Um, But that's a big honor because think of Mm -hmm. the station you work at is a small market station. Um, so yeah. it's kind of like, the, it's basically one of the top, 
getting nominated as as recognized for top four in in the entire world for that um at least the united states because that global participation i'm not really sure how much there really is in marconi's um kind of like how the cons has actually a lot more global participation than the oscars which was which is what made the uh parasite such a big deal because the first foreign language film to win best picture ever of all time for some reason when i heard that I was thinking Crouching Tiger, Hitting Dragon that was, was like, I thought for some reason it won, like, Best Picture. Well, let me look. So like, that's what confused me for a sec, when, yeah. like, that first came out. Yeah, well, <laughs> let me, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hitting Dragon. One day I'd like to actually have it so there's somebody next to me that's actually looking this stuff up. Uh, <laughs> best picture. Uh, not, I'm not seeing it's not coming up, but um, you know what I will do is Oscars. Uh, it got a few wins. Uh, well, it was nominated for Best Picture. That's it, but, but it won Best Foreign. What I confused about. Yeah. It did win Best Foreign Language Film, and it did win Best Original Music Score, as well as Best Cinematography and Best Production Design. So it was a very heavy winner, and it was nominated for a whole slew of other things like Best Picture, Best Director, uh. Best Adapted Screenplay. Best costume design and best film editing were all its nominations. So, and that was back in the 2001 mm-hmm. Academy Awards. Now, yeah, of all the things for me to know, it's that one, <laughs> which well, basically describes me. You're right, though. I think that that <laughs> that one, as well as I think, didn't where did well now you got me wondering about Slumdog Millionaire also took the the I awards. It was more for the music. Slumdog Millionaire was for the music. Millionaire. Uh, oh, it did get Best Picture, but it wasn't. It wasn't foreign language, and oh, I believe mean, it had a lot of Hollywood money tied to it. But I could be wrong. I know there was an awful lot of Indian funding to, into that movie as well. But, um, yeah. man, that thing won a lot of awards. I still yeah. haven't seen Slumdog Millionaire. I need to. I haven't either. I have not seen it either. <laughs> wow, all of us have not seen it. Yeah, it was at an age where... so good, but... Yeah, that was 2009. I just, I don't know, I just didn't... I think Dark Knight, it was up against Dark Knight, and I was very... Yeah. I was very sour that Dark Knight didn't get it. Um, <laughs> I had a very Wasn't big that one very popular? I just, I don't know. I think I, I tend to think they're overrated. I guess. Wasn't what do you that think one? Keith Ledger, he had like done the Joker and he yes. won, but yeah. he wasn't able to accept the award because well, he, he passed away before the Oscars, but he was nominated still. Yeah, that, that would make sense. I 
Hmm. Well, should I do that too? I think there's the last Google search. Last Google search. Keith <laughs> Ledger. I need to start making theme songs for this stuff. Like when <laughs> yeah. we go on. Yeah. I, I yes. I would like Google really search. Like you need one of those bar panels with all the sound effects and stuff, like the radio stations have. And yeah, just... yeah, yeah, like a typing sound effect for yeah. when you do a Google search. Yeah. Now it's yeah. time for our weekly Google search. <laughs> I, I weekly Google search with Perry Landrel. Yeah. When we go to um. Uh, I know of a, a show that when they go to Wikipedia, it says, consult the book of knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. We need um, to get James to help with that. He's the music guy. <laughs> yeah, he's also a, just a sound artist in general. You're right. Yeah, she's talking about James Niger, one of the founding members of NAFCO. But um, yeah. it's, uh, uh, Heath Ledger, he's got two Oscar Oscar nominations which it was Best Actor. He was nominated for, didn't win, for in 2006 for Brokeback Mountain. And, mm-hmm. then, yeah. and then he got Best... There was Best Supporting Actor, and he won that for 2009, The Dark Knight. So you guys are right. He actually won, He wasn't just nominated. He actually won Best Supporting Actor for his role as Joker yeah. Dark yeah. Knight. Yeah, even though he passed away before the ceremony, yeah. so he wasn't able to accept the award <clears throat> yeah 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 exactly you're right i mean he passed away and they actually he passed away before they were done filming and they had to do a bunch of workarounds there it's kind of one of those sad stories in the world of film yeah yeah i don't want to dive into it too long but yeah so anyway, that's the last last google search of of, of this today's podcast okay <laughs> <laughs> you said that last time <laughs> yeah. anyway so uh what does uh, okay, um, so okay, well, but moving on. So, anybody are... listening? This is how it's usually like at meetings. Well, <laughs> yeah, we're trying to. We're like when we all get together. This is kind of what it's like. Yeah, we're all. There, there's less Google searches in our meetings, though. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, because we're all a group of friends, so we all kind of talk a little yeah. more. We kind of try to yeah, I li- keep I like ourselves to in line. I think I'm a bit like the mom, because like... Oh, you definitely I are. yell at you guys a lot. Well, <laughs> like, yeah, when you, we go to Latinos, and... <laughs> she oh, keeps us guys? the <laughs> I and do. They got the, the giant margarita. Oh, uh, yeah, and I yelled at you, because then you got, like, another one. I was like... Perry, you have to drive home. Don't be getting drunk. Yeah. Luckily, I didn't get. I didn't, didn't get uh, too oh. tipsy. Um. And uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Your your other skill is to tell me that something wasn't funny. Uh, <laughs> which is a more recent thing. Like I, th- I think that that started when I dropped. Like it was like like the, our first. Our, our last thing that we did there, and I was just like, <laughs> I, I can't remember what I said about the coronavirus, but you're just like, that it was not funny. It, it just, just kind of, like, I'm 
I don't know. find a lot of things funny. When, when you apply for, <laughs> like, when you're putting in your resumes for different parts and stuff, when you're auditioning for roles, that can be like a skill set you have. You can put that on your resumes for jobs, too. can tell people when they're not funny. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Or a resident. <laughs> Actually, I don't think you'd like this one. <laughs> I was thinking like resident social justice warrior. <laughs> Absolutely. At least you laughed. Okay, that's good. I wasn't sure what reaction to get on that. This podcast has gone sideways today. Oh, they're, they're kind of meant to to some extent. No, I love it. <laughs> it's, it's the format I'm looking for. I've said it in the last podcast a bunch, so I wasn't going to keep constantly saying it. The more I do it, the less I'll have to say it. But it's modeled after, because this is only the second one that I've hosted. Uh, we have Ed Frank is actually hosting some that are kind of his own format. But the format I'm emulating is actually that that was truly developed by Joe Rogan in his podcast, The Joe Rogan Experience, which is actually mm-hmm. the largest followed podcast on the Internet. As far as I am aware of, I know that NPR is one This American Life that's up there as well, but yeah, I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to do uh, the Joe Rogan experience, but our own thing, you know, with Honestly, like, this format which, is a lot better. Like, it's, it's more, more better than Ed's. free. It's more, <laughs> it's, it's more geared towards <laughs> groups of friends, I think. Like, you it's get a group of people who, like, know each other and are friends. This is what'll happen. <laughs> I get and it. I like well, it. Yeah. Oh, and his podcast too, and it's it's based. And that's part of why I picked this format too, because we are that. Uh, he has his thing. He actually calls it the Suicide Squad. No, wait, is that the Suicide Squad? <laughs> I just realized there's a that whole thing. I think he dropped the name because of the movie or something. <laughs> Copyright <laughs> infringement. I, well, it was uh. that though, and it was. Um, man, I might be getting the name wrong. It just sounds weird because I just realized. Well, anyway, it's just a group. There's him, Joey Diaz, uh, a couple other guys. Anyway, point is um, that they all get—they're all friends within the stand-up uh, stand-up comedy community. Yeah. Where we're all friends in the in the film community. Yeah. So I'm looking to, and it's it's that kind of thing that, and why I'm trying to emulate. Not that. like I, this format. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, but just like him. I'm also grabbing, and thank you, Kaylee. I appreciate that, and thank you also, Braden. And I, uh, and uh, and now you know what I was talking about in that February meeting when I just went on and on. Yeah. About this is what I meant. Why I was saying that this is the format that I wanted. Um, yeah. Now you can see practice that this is what I was looking to do. And so the thing is, is that um, basically, um, uh, just like okay, so just like Joe Rogan. I'm looking to also bring in people that I don't necessarily know that aren't direct friends of mine. Um, some, some of them I've met before. Uh, like next week I have Matt Royal scheduled, actually. Now, I've met him ah. one time in person, maybe twice, but he's a filmmaker that I barely know. But his vibe works for this kind of thing. He's a talker, and he's, he's real relaxed. And stuff, and so I, I'd like to to have. He's gonna be on the show next week, and so yeah. Oh, that'll be interesting. He he's such uh, he's such a relaxed individual, and he's so passionate about what he does. So that'll be interesting. I, I, I don't went, know him. 
Oakville City yeah. Film Festival last year. Okay, yeah, yeah, I he, thought I heard his name mentioned. Yeah, he founded the Oil City Film Festival in Oil City, Pennsylvania. But he also, I think nowadays, he that, that has traditionally ran in September. I've unfortunately not been able to attend. And it ran for like, I don't know, five years or something. I'm yeah. actually, it, yeah, because it was going before I moved to the area. And now he's off in L.A. from my understanding. But I'll be talk. I'll be able to confirm this. He's in Louisiana. He's in Louisiana. Yeah, oh he's, he's down there in Louisiana. He's actually doing very well. And he's uh, he said uh, he'll probably mention this uh, when you talk to him, because he did say on Facebook that he want he's definitely going to be doing the Oil City Film Festival uh, if if all these stringent restrictions are, are lifted and stuff. Um, Cause he still wants to do it. So I was going to see if he wanted a help with that. I don't know if he's planning on coming back up here or he's going to have a group of people, you know, up here following his direction kind of thing, you know? Okay. But it, it is interesting. He's very passionate, but oh my goodness, is he a character? Yeah. So yeah, I get you. I'm actually, just realized my uh, list of questions is pretty much done. I mean, I already what? I guess any like life changing experiences though. I kind of asked that to Kaylee already, but great. I mean, anything that you thought was just very life changing, eye opening experiences that you had, uh, um, particularly through film, that you might want to share with us today. Um, <clears throat> one of the biggest. Uh... It's going to be strange because it's it's not a project I was I was involved in. It was this previous um, uh, last year when Shooting Heroin debuted uh, around here. A uh, filmmaker named uh, Spencer Fulmer. Uh, he has done quite a bit of quite a bit of um, like how do I want to say inspirational movies and, and they're usually a little more gritty they have a little more uh a little more chaos to them than most films like that yeah. do. but uh to be i was uh my business manager that that for my stunt work and all that her daughter is very involved in a lot of spencer's films uh acting and <clears throat> when we went to the red carpet premiere is the first time I'd seen anything about uh, shooting heroin. Uh, I, I knew it was being filmed in the area and all it that. It was advertised all over town. Yeah. When it first came out. When I did the... we, I was invited to the red carpet premiere. Um, we went to the Phillips one. Uh, that was the first one that shone. And I was driving... Uh, I was driving... Her name is uh, Susan Kuntz. Um, I drove her the red carpet premiere i was the one that that dropped her off at the carpet and then i went in we all got our tickets and stuff it was a really humbling experience to watch that movie and it really it i guess i i've been i've worked in film quite a while and i've worked in theater a lot longer and i've never really had a film hit me quite as hard as that one did it was very uh very intriguing to watch that kind of a film from a small town like this because you see you see a lot of those like hard hit inspirational films uh that bring up those big issues like uh drugs and politics and and things like that in the big screens 
And you don't really see it from the perspective that he was able to show it through shooting heroin. I absolutely loved afterwards. I was, I got to talk to a lot of the cast. Uh, I went to their party, I got to meet Spencer and talk with him. And it it was a very humbling experience to see that all of them, these people, uh, that were involved in this movie it, it has affected a lot of them in different ways and that's why they got involved in it how people in their families have been hurt by by like the heroin ep, uh, epidemic sweeping just every town and so to see it from the perspective of a I think the budget for that movie was uh, plus dollars so um, he did a really good job on it for a lot of people look at that as a lot of money, but still stretching it, trying to make a good film with that, even that money. Um, but he did it and he did it in a way that spoke to a lot of people that normally a big film would not. So that really speaks volumes to the people in this area, of what they're kind of filmmaking to do. It really, it really touched uh, my life in a way that I could see how move and how much of a message that people can get out. Uh, how they can reach their audience with just a small budget film versus these uh, 50 to 100 million films, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really an eye-opener when you get to see these local filmmakers do stuff like that. He's done different things like Generational Sins and Shooting Heroin. Then you have Matt Coyle who did... Um, <clears throat> who did his films around here, uh, Ryan Cavalier doing his, it shows you the the history of small town uh, Pennsylvania and New York and Virginia and the places that we we grew up around, but we don't get to see that version of, of these places like they can tell their stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the film that I had the same reaction to, like the film I've, I saw that really hit me, was Phoebe Freer's, uh, whoops, like docu- documentary, um, Remember to Forget Me. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that uh, the one with the, quite frankly, about, sex trafficking? Um, yeah, but, yeah. <clears throat> okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, that it might as well. It is a nitty gritty. It was yeah. actually it was the second showing. We did. We used to do our film fe- showings at the Wrights Theater, and that was like the second one we did. We had this series of short films, and hers was one of them. <clears throat> and okay. I, it just hit me. Yeah, mm. that's that's the thing that I've noticed is. Um, like things like documentaries and uh, films that really have a solid basis of truth to them, or that tell a story about uh, more something that's happening today. Exactly. Mm-hmm. When you see that in big film Hollywood and the big industries, and you and you see these big films being put out, they get to pick and choose their story, and they get to create their own. Uh, they get to create kind of their own land in in their own story and sometimes it doesn't give you that picture that really comes from the heart and soul of those areas and with the smaller filmmakers I've noticed and and that's why NAFCO is such a big part of my life now because I love 
I love seeing how smaller smaller budget films and and these local filmmakers can bring such a story out and it's because they don't get that option they can't just go to anyone that they choose they get the stories from the people who just want to get their story out there and get their truth out there or get their mm-hmm. get their voice heard and tell you what's actually happening and and it's a beautiful magical piece of film that you can get because you get those voices that maybe somebody else is looking over that has the money mm-hmm. to do so you know mhm yeah i hear you so i do kind of want to wrap this podcast up here um and not not to uh anything short i mean i feel like we could keep going on and that's the beauty of yeah now the thing is though is i'm just looking to actually i just have other obligations in life and that's actually usually why these podcasts in this format end when they do it's just like okay we actually have to end it for some reason so basically i mean i just have something else i gotta do so the thing is is um the uh basically so here where is there anywhere that you guys have your any like Braden, for instance, do you have a company or anything that you would like anybody that you know wants to reach out to you, any place they can reach out to you, website or any kind of like public page or anything like that? Well, until the coronavirus has made its pass in America, um, I don't currently have a website or anything like that. Um, they can uh, contact me via Facebook or via um, just my phone number. Uh, I, I can put it out there. It's uh, 814-777-2440. I'm always looking for people who are interested uh, in things like stunt work or, or film that I can create a group of people with because this... Uh, it's either going to be at the end of this year or the beginning of next year. I am getting my LLC. Uh, uh, probably not an LLC. I'm probably going to go with sole proprietorship, but I'm making my company oh, official. Sole um, proprietorship is usually done as an LLC. Um, I, I did it when sole member LLC is pretty much how you do that, but I can help you out with that if you want some time, Braden. Uh, I'm sure also James would be willing to help you out with that. I've got a small group of people and they're very dedicated. Uh, I'm putting them through their paces, uh, teaching them uh, different things. And this, uh, this not this summer, but next summer, uh, I've got a church, a, lo- a local church up in uh, West Branch that I'm going to get a hold of. Uh, I'd use them for a little bit of training on a different film last year. And I kind of want to get them... Uh, get my relationship going with them. They said they would be willing to work with me and I can have that to kind of train people. So I'm getting my ready and everything. And I really want to make a boom in this next year within the film industry around here because so far it's just acting jobs, small stunt stuff. But I'm just looking for people that uh, want to do this. And uh, I guess mostly I need uh, people who are going to, be willing to understand that. Listen, I can't. It's not going to pay a lot. Uh, some jobs actually don't pay. You just get your name out there. Um, but that's... Resume work. Yeah, I get you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes. So far, that's the only thing I've done is resume work. Yeah, but absolutely. Like, anybody can contact me. I'm always willing to talk with somebody. I'm looking for people who... Uh, 
who are willing to put forth some effort to have a fun time. I mean, as this is really rewarding work. Uh, I don't know what you guys' experiences have been, but I have had a lot of rewarding film and it's definitely <laughs> from, from when you're growing up as a kid and you see this stuff and then you get into it, it's a whole different animal. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, I for people to contact me, I want to get my group to grow a little bit bigger. So I'm looking just for a few more individuals that, uh, they're willing to come forth and uh, train with me and uh, uh, get on board with this uh, animal I'm creating. I get yeah. So that's Brayden Ross on Facebook. You can find him. He's, he'll be the Brayden Ross from Dubois, Pennsylvania, and uh, and and he gave his phone number there. What was that phone number again? It's eight one four seven 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 two four four zero. Okay, so he just put that out on the internet. That's fine. I have my number on the internet as well, actually. Uh, through, I don't. <laughs> through, uh, yeah, it's okay, Kaylee. You're also a minor, Kaylee. So it may, yeah, maybe, I'm 17. But like, that's, we don't that's okay. That. But, but, <laughs> but is there any way that you want, if, like, if, for instance, if there was, I, I guess, Kaylee, you more reach out to people than you have people reach out to you because yeah, you I've been have really trying. a business set up right now. But if, yeah. if anybody wanted to involve you in their project, is there a way for them to reach you? or um, is... You can find me on Facebook. Okay. Uh, and my email. I'll give my email. Okay, give it's... me your email. That's probably your best bet. <laughs> it's KayleeSantel at gmail.com. Yeah, and that's how, how is that spelled? K-A-Y-L-E-E-S-A-N-T-E. LL. Okay, at Gmail. So okay. gmail.com. Great. So and and if people yeah, please are please reach out if you okay. would like me for a gig. I desperately yeah. want one. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I want a gig. Yeah. yeah, just like you were trying to network through and that's part of the beauty of NAFTO itself is yeah. is the networking aspect as well. And you were trying to network a little bit earlier with Braden when he said that there was some <laughs> gig, gig he was working on and I could hear it. You're just like, yeah. Oh, are they looking for roles and i mean that's that's how how it all happens though and so we're not also yeah. a group to network with and mm-hmm. um that's part of the function of, of nafco nafco itself if anybody is looking to be a part of nafco you can just look for the nafco public page on facebook that's the easiest way to find us and you can mm-hmm. just reach out on there through our feed um when you add on there might be a moment of delay but if you just say hey you know you just can just post in there i guess just a post within the yeah. group and just ask you know this is just anybody list, listening just go there nafco the what was it let me nafco public that. page yeah nafco public page and it's a uh, nafco.org public film group that's what it's listed as so just type that in nafco.org public film group and we will uh, we'll be happy to enjoy uh, you know bring you on into the group to anybody out there, uh, and this is just three of the members yeah. here today, but you can tell we're all an enthusiastic bunch. And yeah. with that being said, this was great to have you, Kaylee and Braden, Kaylee Santel and Braden Ross, here on the Untitled NAFCO podcast. And you really need to get a name. <laughs> yeah, for that. yeah. The other thing is, I wouldn't mind having this group on again at another point in time. You know, we'll we'll cycle oh, through. Oh, I'd love to come back. Great. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, and um, and at some point we will have 
we can ha make that happen. Um, we'll, Mix we'll up give it a the groups. Um... Yeah, yeah, we can. <laughs> but we'll just, um, yeah, exactly. And that that's sort of something that, that's part of the format too. When you have the friends that you know can just keep talking, we can actually just do multiples of these if we want to. Um, yeah. So, but for that, that'll be that for the uh, for today. Everybody have a good day. Peace out. Love y'all. All right. <laughs> Bye.